I would ask that you turn with me in your Bibles to our our text this morning. We'll be looking at Galatians chapter 3 and verses 7 to 9. Galatians chapter 3 and verses 7 to 9. Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 to 9. Please then, brothers and sisters, hear with me the reading of God's Word. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the Gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Thus far as a reading of, of God's Word. Uh, whatever stage of life any of us are in, we're all at different stages in life, uh, what is true of us all is that we're all always learning, aren't we? And for many people, though, just communicating facts to them is not always the best way for them to learn, is it? No, oftentimes people... People are helped to grasp a concept when they are given an example. When there's someone or something that we can look to as an illustration, which helps to, to clarify maybe all of these words that are being used to describe something that you want us to, to understand. Right? A, a clear illustration, a, a good example, serves as, as an aid to people. I'm sure along the way all of us have been taught something by someone, and as they were teaching you, you maybe weren't tracking all the way. And then they said to you, well, let me give you an example. And they provide you an example. And all of a sudden, what happens? Right? The, the light goes on. And you go, ah, now I get it. I, I understand. Well, we need to see what, what Paul's doing. Right? Really from uh, chapter 2 on, right? What, what, what Paul is doing is he's directly teaching the saints in the churches of Galatia how one is made right before God. And he has to do this, remember, because confusion has arisen amongst the churches because of what the Judaizers are doing. And so he's answering the question, can the saints rest in knowing that they have been justified by faith alone in Christ alone? Or does more need to be done? Right? Does more need to be done? Does the law need to be added to Christ in order to justify the sinner? Now that Paul, though, has, has laid down the doctrine and even uh, called upon them to remember their own experience as we read a few weeks ago, uh, what he did at the end of our, our time last week was, was give to them an example, right? trying to clear up any confusion and providing them the very best example that he could give to them in order that they might hear of this example and say to themselves, like we've said to ourselves, aha, right? now I get it, now it makes sense. And the example that he used was who? It was Abraham, wasn't it? Right? Abraham was the, was the best way to illustrate Paul's point. Why? Well, because the Jews uh, took pride in Abraham. They looked up to Abraham. They delighted in saying that Abraham was our father. And so these Judaizers are saying what? Right? They're telling these Gentile converts that in order to be children of Abraham, you needed to do everything that Abraham did. Yes, Abraham believed, but he was also circumcised. And he also kept the law. 
But what Paul does is he really undercuts right their whole argument by using Abraham, their father Abraham, as an example to demonstrate that what he's teaching them, this, this doctrine of justification by faith alone in Christ alone, is the, the true doctrine. Right? He does this by quoting uh, Genesis. We read last, uh, the last time we met, Genesis 15, verse 6. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. I remember what we said they were doing. They were saying, go back to Genesis 17. In order for someone to be brought into covenant with God, they had to be circumcised. Right? But Paul says, no, 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 no. We must go back even further. Right? Prior even to circumcision. And what do you find when you go before Abraham was circumcised? Well, you find that, that in Genesis 15, he was declared righteous by faith apart from any works of the law. Right? This is the exact same argument, really, that, that Paul's making in, in the book of Romans. Turn with me there, please, if you would. Romans chapter 4. Let's look at Romans chapter 4 together. Starting at verse 3. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Right? Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham that he had before he was circumcised. And so, right, what's Paul's point then in using Abraham here in Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 6? Well, he's asking the question, really, what does it mean to be a true child of Abraham? Right, that's the question he wants the, the saints in Galatia to be considering, to be thinking about. What makes someone a true child of Abraham? Well, brothers and sisters, what do we oftentimes recognize about children, that they resemble their parents, right? Oftentimes you'll see this child and you'll say, oh, you look just like your mother. Or this child will say, they have dispositions just like their father. But that's one way in which we know that these kids belong to those parents, isn't it? And so Paul's point, what he's saying is that with respect to salvation... To be Abraham's child, your salvation needs to 
resemble Abraham if he is to be your father. Right? That's the point here Paul is making. And so Paul's essentially asking them to recall how Abraham was saved. And how was he saved? Right? By faith in Christ apart from the works of the law. And so to be a child of Abraham, for entrance into his family, the family that matters, which is not the physical one, but the spiritual one, the one that Isaac and Jacob belong to, and not Ishmael and Esau, you enter into it not by natural birth, not by working, but by believing. Right? Not through circumcision, but through faith, which means what? That Paul is saying the Gentile converts do not need to become Jews to become children of Abraham. Right? You don't become a child of Abraham through finding yourself in Judaism first before coming to Christianity. Right? Salvation was never found in Judaism, but in Christ, who Abraham himself believed and was justified by. This is why then after, after Paul props up Abraham as an example to us to teach them how one is justified, he says in verse 7, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Right, this leads us to our first point this morning that we want to consider, which we'll call imitating Abraham. Right, imitating Abraham. One of the things that's very important to understand is that Abraham had a double seed. Abraham had a double seed. He had a seed according to nature, and he had a seed according to grace. Right? This is what John Owen himself says, affirms in, in his commentary on the book of Hebrews. He says this, There was a double seed allotted to Abraham. A seed according to the flesh, separated to the bringing forth of the Messiah unto the flesh. And a seed according to the promise. That is, such as by faith should have interest in the promise. Or all of the elect. This is the same point Paul makes in Romans chapter 9. Right? In, in verse 6 there, Paul says, It is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who have descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are the children of promise because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of promise who are counted as offspring. You see, brothers and sisters, what, what all need to realize, what the Judaizers need to realize, is that no matter what one's heritage is, right, whether Jew or Gentile, they all suffered from the same problem. Right? We all suffer from the same problem. That through the flesh we are conceived in sin. We are wrapped in sin. Right? We are condemned by sin. Right? Through natural birth, it ultimately makes every single one of us a child of Adam, not Abraham. No matter how noble one's birth is. And that includes the Israelites. That includes you and I. And that included even Abraham. I mean, think about how the Scripture describes Abraham. Joshua chapter 24, verse 2. And Joshua said to the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, 
and they served other gods. Right? Abraham was a pagan. He was a heathen. He was full of sin. But what changed? He was called by God. He heard the promises of God. He believed and was justified. Brothers and sisters, Abraham did many great things in his life, didn't he? Right? When he was called to leave the only homeland that he knew, he, he got up and left. When he was told to, 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 to circumcise himself and all of the males around him, at 99 years of age, he circumcised himself. When he was told to sacrifice his beloved son Isaac, to take him to the mountain and to offer him up as a, as a burnt offering, he got up and he went. But let us understand that none of those things had anything to do with Abraham's justification. That's because, brothers and sisters, every action that we perform suffers from defect. Every action we perform is an imperfect action, which means that none of us can ever stand up in the courtroom of God and by our works plead innocence. Right? Because they are all deficient. They're all suffering from what God requires, which is personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience. All have failed. This is what Paul wants the saints in the churches of Galatia to, to understand and to discover as they consider Abraham as the example of what a truly justified person is. Right? He wants them to come to see this, something that we all must come to see. And that is ourselves in the courtroom of God. And that none, right, none of us would, would try to give a defense before the Lord. But that rather, we would declare and cry out to God, O oh Lord, I am guilty in Thy sight. And that I would cast myself upon the mercy of God and lay hold to Christ alone as my righteousness. Right? William Perkins said this, to be of Abraham's faith is to believe and apply the promise of righteousness and life everlasting by Christ as Abraham did. And to rest in it for our justification and salvation. You see, this is what's lacking in the Judaizers' understanding. Right? That it is not a matter of flesh and blood to be a child of Abraham. It's a matter of faith. Right? It's a matter of faith. The same faith that Abraham had. Right? God will only accept you and I on the same basis that He accepted Abraham. And that was through faith in Christ. Right? The, the seed that God now accounts as Abraham's, the only one that counts, is the one who resembles Him, not physically, but spiritually. If one wants to belong to Abraham's family and thus belong to God, you belong to God in Abraham, not through natural generation, right, but through spiritual generation. Right? To, to be a child of Abraham doesn't mean I have the same external identity markers. To be a child of Abraham means I have the same faith as Abraham. Right? The same kind of the same nature directed towards the same object, which is Christ. This is the true mark that you belong to Abraham, that, that you are Abraham's spiritual seed. So that although the, the Judaizers are, are, are physical descendants of Abraham, they are no true descendants of him at all because they do not share in the same faith that Abraham has. Which means that with respect to our justification, right, none can receive it by doing. Everyone, like Abraham, must receive it by believing. 
We must receive it by believing. Remember what we read earlier in Romans chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as due. To the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Right? Remember what I said, we need to see ourselves before the courtroom of God. Right? The one who works to be right with God must stand before God in the courtroom and declare himself not guilty on the basis of his own works. Right? He has to stand upon his own righteousness, which is what? It's no righteousness at all. Right? So he will be declared guilty. For the one though who believes, let us see this, that, that Christ now stands before God for you. And what he says to his father is this, O oh, Father, they are guilty sinners, but they shall not suffer eternal death, for I have died for them. Right? The Son stands before the Father on our behalf and He says, O oh, Father, Your laws are just. What You require of the sinner is just. But for those who believe in Me, I have answered all of the law's demands. In my place, or excuse me, in, in their place, by my doings and by my sufferings. So that for, for these people, right, for those people who Christ stands now in the place of, anything that the, the law demands of you, and anything that justice requires of you, we say to it, you must look to Christ. Right? You must look to Christ. And when you do, you will see that it was all answered in Christ. Right? Whatever the, the law wants from you, whatever justice requires, Christ is satisfied. Right? And that is for all who believe, whether that is Abraham, or whether, brothers and sisters, that is you and I. This is why then Paul says in verse 8, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the Gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying in you, all the nations will be blessed. This leads us then to our second point that we want to consider this morning, which is God's plan for the nations. God's plan for the nations. Now we read here in verse 8, and the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify. How does the Scripture see something? How does the Scripture foresee? How does the Scripture have foreknowledge? Well, ultimately, he's talking about its author, isn't he? Right? Who ultimately is the author of Scripture? It's God. And so what he's really saying is, is that, is that uh, and, and not the Scripture, but and God foresaw what He would do. He foresaw that He would ju- justify the Gentiles by faith. Now, when we think of foreknowledge, there are a couple pitfalls though that we don't want to fall into right? as we think about foreknowledge. Uh, one of the pitfalls is we cannot ever divorce foreknowledge from the will of God. Right? We cannot sever the two. Uh, but neither can we think of foreknowledge as preceding the will of God. As if God foresees what's going to take place and then wills it to happen because of what he has seen. Right? But rather, the foreknowledge of God is always joined with his will, but it always is consequent to the will of God. Right? Foreknowledge is consequent to the will of God. 
Right? Foreknowledge of God is not the cause of why things are done. That is His will. Right? His will is the cause of why things are done. Right? God knows what will happen in history. He has foreknowledge of all things. Why? Because He has willed it. Right? He has decreed it. And He is providentially bringing it all to pass. Now, this is what we read in a text like Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. It says, I am God and there is none like Me, declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all My purpose. Right? So, God's counsel is His most wise purpose. Right? God's counsel is His most wise purpose. So, God has complete knowledge of all things because He's decreed it to happen. Right? God knows every future event. Why? Because He knows His will. That's why. Right? He knows every future event because He knows His own will. And what He willed was this, to have one people through one faith and one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And how was that people to be formed? Through the preaching and the hearing of the Gospel. Right? That's what we read. And so God having determined to justify the Gentiles by faith, Preach the gospel to Abraham, saying, and you shall all the nations be blessed. So let us see this, brothers and sisters. There are not two ways of salvation, are there? Right? There's only one way of salvation. There's only ever been one way of salvation. See then how old the gospel is. Right? See how old the gospel is. Right? First declared in Genesis 3.15, now to Abraham. And so the Gospel isn't just something the apostles believed or you and I believe, but it's something the patriarchs believed. It's something the, the prophets themselves believed. Why? So that all would know the one true way of life, which is faith apart from the works of the law. Now what Paul is highlighting here in verse 8 is something that we're going to bring out more fully as we continue to look at chapter 3 in the weeks going forward. But one of the things that he is highlighting is the dichotomous nature of the promises given to Abraham. Okay, He's highlighting the dichotomous nature of the promises given to Abraham. Just as Abraham had two seeds, a natural seed and a spiritual seed, there are two types of promises given to Abraham. There are natural promises to his natural seed and there are spiritual promises to his spiritual seed. And so Paul here quoting this promise is, is not concerning the natural sons of Abraham, but rather it's concerning those who would be sons of Abraham by faith. And the text that he's drawing on is really a, a composite of texts. Uh, it's really a merging of a few different texts. Uh, one is Genesis uh, 12, verse 3. Uh, there we read, And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. But I also think that what he is... Uh, Highlighting as well is Genesis chapter 22, verse 18 here, which says this, And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, you say, well, why do you think that? Well, Paul's making an argument here throughout chapter 3. And as he, as he argues, look what he says in verse 16. All right, look at verse 16 with me. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, 
who is Christ. So that what God declared to Abraham was that in his seed, who is Christ, the Gentiles would be engrafted by faith and consequently into Abraham. For they are the seed of Christ who was the seed of Abraham. And so it's this Gospel then that was preached to Abraham that the Messiah would come from Abraham's loins and is that Messiah who would be a blessing to the nations. And Abraham sees this day by faith and rejoices, recognizing that the righteousness of Christ that comes by faith is not only for him and for his believing sons, but also will be for all the nations. This is the same thing, brothers and sisters, that a Simeon declares in Luke chapter 2. It's the very same thing. If you remember in Luke chapter 2, after Jesus is born, He's brought to the temple. And uh, Simeon takes the Lord in his arms, and this is what he says. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. So we see, brothers and sisters, that from the beginning, God has determined that, that He would have one people justified by faith in Christ. That in the same manner that the Gospel was preached to Abraham and he believed and was justified, now people from every tribe, tongue, and nation will be declared righteous in God's sight in the very same way. How we ought to rejoice in that. And how we ought to rejoice seeing God's one message, His one plan of salvation in His one people. Right? How, how we ought to rejoice knowing that just as God graciously uh, granted to Abraham this gift, right, revealing the Gospel to him, justifying him freely by His grace, that He likewise has promised to do that to all of us who believe the Gospel as well which ought to strip us of all confidence that we might have in our own flesh. It ought to cause us to forsake any pride that we might have in in our ability to keep God's Word and that being a, a meritorious cause for God justifying us in Christ. You see, brothers and sisters, people left to their natural condition will always believe that they have righteousness in them. I mean, this is one of the struggles, isn't it, when you, when you talk to people about Christ. Is they can't get past their need for an alien righteousness. Because they think inherently they have righteousness in them. Even people who, who think they have Christ but don't. These are folks who, who oftentimes believe that there is something special about them. Or something special in them that made them right before God in addition to Jesus. But I want us to see, brothers and sisters, that that isn't free grace. Right? That's not being justified freely. That's saying, God, You owe me one because the gift You gave wasn't enough. But how deceived are they, brothers and sisters? And what a blasphemous claim that is to devalue the infinite worth of the blood of the Lamb. Isn't it astounding if you think about it? Especially in in this country, people love free stuff, don't they? 
They do, don't they? You go to the dentist's office or the doctor's office or the, the car dealership and, hey, can I get one of those free pens? You go to the grocery store on a Saturday morning and what does everyone like to get? I don't go shopping on Saturday morning. I don't go shopping at all, really. But if I remember when I was a child, I would go. And I don't know if they still have it, but they would hand out what? Free samples. Everyone liked the free samples in the grocery store. I mean, in this country, people love free money, don't they? But when you talk about the free grace of God, all of a sudden people despise it and want to do something in order to earn it themselves. But as believers, right, we understand, brothers and sisters, that although the grace of God is free, that it didn't come free of cost, did it? It didn't come free of cost. It cost Christ much, didn't it? It cost Christ His blood. And so let us not trample the blood of Christ by seeking to add works to His already finished work. Rather, let us look to the cross, believing that there God has forgiven all our sins, right? canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, nailing it to the cross. This is why, brothers and sisters, every day we need to be bringing ourselves to the foot of the cross. Every day we need to be looking up to Christ. Every day we need to be trusting on His works, having been sufficient to reconcile us before God and that nothing else needs to be done. But for those of you here, perhaps, who do not believe, uh, or those of you here who know that you ought to believe but are not believing. I wanted you also to see this, that, that every time the Gospel is preached, it's a time for you to declare yourself guilty before God. It's a time to declare yourself guilty. It's a time to say, God, I am full of sin. But also, though, believing that through faith in Christ, you will have the forgiveness of that sin and the imputation of Christ's righteousness by faith. And so for those of you, though, who, who are justified here, I in, implore you to set nothing before your eyes but, but Christ dying for your sin and Christ being raised for your justification, which is not yours by trying to live like Abraham, but is yours in believing like Abraham believed. And for those who have Christ by faith, as Abraham had Christ by faith, see how bountiful then the blessings are that are showered upon you and I. Look at verse 9 with me, please. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. This leads us to our third and our final point this morning, which is blessed like Abraham. Blessed like Abraham. The blessings involved here, brothers and sisters, I want us to see are, are spiritual ones. Are you speaking of spiritual blessings? They're, they're, excuse me, they're gospel blessings that God granted to Abraham, which He continues to grant all of those who follow in the footsteps of Abraham. And that is what? Being justified. 
One of the blessings that flows from, from faith, right? You're being justified, being declared righteous in the sight of God, having forgiveness of sin and the imputation of Christ's righteousness. I mean, what greater blessing is there than that? This is a common, though, blessing to all who believe, but so too is adoption. So too is sanctification, glorification, uh, our inheritance of everlasting life, the Holy Spirit. But see how these privileges come to you. See how these blessings come to you. This is Paul's point. The Judaizers claim that the Gentiles must be circumcised in order to be members of Abraham's family so that they could receive the blessings of Abraham. That's what the Judaizers are saying. But Paul says, no, it's not through circumcision. It's not through law-keeping. It's not even through faithfulness. But rather, it's simply through Christ by faith. That is the way that Abraham became a partaker of these things. And it's the only way, brothers and sisters, that any of us will, be become, will become a partaker of these things. There are no spiritual benefits you and I can receive apart from Christ. So if, if one wants peace, which this world desires greatly, but can never find it, and they do great damage to themselves looking for it in all the wrong places. If you want peace, that's only found in Christ. But if you want boldness and access to the throne of, of God and be able to come before Him with great confidence, which so many in this world don't have. I mean, how many times have you heard someone say, you know, I pray, but I don't know if God hears me. Right? If you want confidence that when you go before the throne of God, you have access and that He hears and that He will answer your prayers that is only to be found in Christ. If you want deliverance over the dominion of sin, which we are born into this world under and cannot escape on our own, it can only be found in Christ. If you want to know that all things are working out for your good, which this world cannot know, this is why they, they curse God so often. Right? Why is He allowing all these evil things to happen? Right? If you want to know that, that all things are working out for your good, that can only be known through faith in Christ. And so see, though, what you miss out if you reject Christ. Right? See what you miss out on if you seek to add to the works of Christ. Right? If you are not one of these who are being blessed, then you are still under the curse. But let us see then, this is why the, the gospel is still so vitally important as it ever has been today. Right? This is why we have to continue to declare the name of the Lord until He comes. Because this is the way that He uses to, to justify sinners. Unfortunately though, too often the church and people in the church fumble the message of the gospel, don't they? Right? They bring confusion about what the, what the gospel is and they, they throw these yokes upon the backs of people too heavy to bear. This is why the church must be careful to declare the, the, the true gospel of grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. This is good news to sinners because it declares that although we are deficient, Christ is all-sufficient. Right? This is the good news because it declares although we cannot do anything to merit eternal life, Christ has already done it all and you can receive it by faith in Him. Abraham was a man of faith. If we want to resemble Abraham, who Paul says is the father of all who believe, 
Let us follow in His footsteps as His true children and spiritual seed by believing like Abraham did. Let us continue also then to pray for others as God has called us to do. Praying that God would continue to fulfill that promise that He made to bless the nations in the same way that He has throughout all of these centuries and will continue until Christ returns, which is justifying sinners through faith in Christ. Let us pray. Blessed Father, we thank You for the the Word this morning. Uh, We thank You for the encouragement it is to our souls uh, that we can rest in Christ recognizing that uh, we cannot merit in any way eternal life, but rather that this is something Christ has done for us. And uh, we thank You, Father, for those that You have uh, revealed the Gospel to and have granted faith and repentance to. Uh, Lord, we pray that uh, You would help us as a, as a body, as a church, to continue to, to see the importance of the Gospel, uh, not only for uh, the ungodly and the unchurched, but for ourselves. Right for us as a as a corporate body and individually, how important it is to never forget the gospel, how important it is to never uh, take our eyes off it and start work and start seeking to work our way to heaven apart from the cross. Um, Lord, we pray that you would help us to see that that the cross is the only way, and that Lord, you would use the preaching of the gospel to uh, to render tender hearts to those here today who have not. And I trusted in Christ and that, Lord, You would, uh, through the proclamation of the Gospel, uh, show those here today their sinfulness, uh, their need for Christ, and that, Lord, You would remove that heart of stone and, and grant to them a, a heart of flesh, and that, Lord, You would continue uh, to use us as Your church to glorify Your name. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.